Welcome to the CompTIA BizTech Podcast, where we talk with industry leaders across our communities and councils to discuss business challenges, opportunities, and strategies for success. So over the years, I've had some really great bosses, great managers, good mentors, had a few stinkers as well. I'm sure you've all experienced kind of the range of you know, good to bad in terms of managers. But I had one of my very first managers gave me some really great advice. And her advice was that no matter where you end up in business, whatever role you end up in, make sure you have the opportunity at some point in your career to carry a bag. So I started looking for side gigs, bagging groceries down at the grocery store, of course. And no, not really. Uh, I figured out pretty quickly that what she was talking about is not that kind of bag. What she was saying was everyone needs the experience of having to pitch and sell something in order to earn your paycheck. Even if that's not going to be your job, not going to be your role, ultimately the company that you work for uh, will be responsible. You know, they'll be successful, most companies, by selling something, solutions, products, you know, whatever it may be. And so if you have that experience in knowing how to sell and knowing kind of the stresses of sales and, and, you know, the techniques and knowing how to handle and push through rejection, all those things, it will make you a better manager, a better marketing person, a better business operations leader, a better CEO, whatever. So that was her advice. And, and it took me quite a while, honestly, in my career before I had that experience of carrying a bag, but I did get it. And boy, was it an eye-opening experience because I think a lot of us think just because we can talk pretty well and we're confident in you know, ourselves and our product that you know, sales will be easy. And I found that it's you know, not that hard to get people to listen sometimes, but it's pretty darn hard to get them to push that money across the table and pay you for something unless you really kind of know what you're doing. So my name is Gary Bixler and this is the BizTech Podcast. Today, we're going to learn about a simplified sales process that will help your team's pitch and sell real value. And to do that, our podcast today is brought to us by our Canadian Business of Technology community, ably led by Mr. Adam Prue. Welcome in, Adam. Hey, Gary. Thanks. Thanks for having me again. No worries. Great <laughs> to have you as always. I appreciate you bringing us some interesting topics when you come rolling into town. And this one's no different. Very practical advice. You know, I find that especially now as the customer pool tightens, as you know, a lot of our, our members, their customers are going out of business or, or mm. tightening down or budgets are, are constrained. They're fighting for, you know, a smaller number of customers in a smaller pool. You know, these kinds of sales strategies and techniques can become really, really critical. So I would say this is a timely one. Absolutely. And, and and my conversation that I had with Robert and Frank, as, as we'll hear in a minute, is, you know, as an entrepreneur, it's not uncommon to hit roadblocks, you know, and maybe struggle with selling, a, you know, an idea, solution, a product. Um, but really, the, we what we focused on is one, we referenced their new book that they uh, that they recently published, Sales Made Easy, um, Pitch Product and Survive, Sell Value. 
and thrive. And, and really we discuss the practical and, and systematic process to sell, to sell value. And really what you were talking about before about having that bag, it's, it's really having that value. So really the overarching conversation that uh, the theme of the conversation that we had is, is really, you know, sales is, is a process. It's not a product. It's not a person. Um, yeah. And you can always pitch a product and, and survive, but really you want to thrive as a business and that must, and that means you must sell value. So. Okay. Very interesting. Well, before we get into that, I know I saw the forecast uh, the other day. It looks like the snow is flying for you guys in Canada. I'm sitting down here in Texas and uh, if we get it, our snow won't arrive for quite some time, but there's already a lot of talk about how winter is going to be different given, you know, pandemic and, and all that, you know, one thing, you know, in Texas, it gets really hot. I can tell you, Wearing a mask everywhere out in public in Texas when it's, you know, 100 degrees Fahrenheit, you know, high 30s, 40s centigrade is not comfortable. In the winter, it's a little more tolerable because it kind of keeps your face warm. Uh, it's still <laughs> pain. But, um, you know, that's one of the, the kind of smaller things that I've seen that we're going to deal with this winter. How about for you where winter is actually serious? What kind of changes do you see in kind of the work from home version of winter? Yeah, absolutely. So, and, you know, we were, we were kind of riffing before uh, the, the podcast, but um, you know, when it comes to teachers and, and sort of remote schooling, remote working uh, the, the days where it used to be, Hey, I have a snow day. Cool. I can just kind of chill for the day. That's not going to happen anymore. Uh, my sister's a teacher. I have, I have several friends that are teachers and, you know, I was speaking to them recently because uh, we just got dumped on. Um, we just had some, uh, we had a snowfall and they were like, man, I, I can't take the day off and I got to flip on my computer and, and teach the kids now. So, I mean, even, you know, even the teachers are, you know, they don't get that break either. So yeah, it, yeah. things my have definitely changed as well. And she teaches advanced calculus and, and while the kids always love the snow days, she's hated them because she has a certain amount of material that she has to cover in a certain amount of time to prepare them for these big exams that they have to take yeah. in the college entrance things. And uh, she's very frustrated when they lose two or three days in a year to something like that. And now, you know, that's not going to be the reality. You won't have a snow day. You'll have a learn from home day. So yeah, um, she's okay. When it, com- when it comes to calculus though, I would say it's okay. Uh, I attended every single one of my calculus classes in high school and I still only got a 73. <laughs> And so take those, uh, anyone's listening, who's a student, take advantage of those days. You need them. Yeah, for well, that just showed you, you need every one of them. So absolutely, uh, for sure. All right. Well, let's, um, let's get going here. And as, as we said, you know, the timely conversation, the market's getting tougher. People are having to scramble for sales uh, every day. So let's get uh, into this conversation you had about the sales process and thriving. So uh, Adam, why don't you introduce us to our guests? And take us away. Sounds good. Thanks, Gary. So Robert and Frank, entrepreneurs, founders of Get More Sales Corporation. They help each they help uh, other entrepreneurs pivot from pitching product to selling value. And today we're discussing the launch of their new book, well, really a sales guide called Sales Made Easy for Entrepreneurs. Pitch product and survive, sell value, and thrive. And there is the book. Robert and Frank, thank you for joining us today on the BizTech Podcast. How are you gentlemen today? It's great, thanks. Awesome. How are you doing? Awesome. Thanks for inviting us. Hey, yeah, happy to have you. It. Happy to have both of you here. So, uh, you know, before we jump into this new book, because I definitely want to discuss it, um, really just to kind of ease in, uh, 
you know, sales made easy. You know, tell us a little bit about yourselves. I'll let you go first, Frank. You go ahead. Well, I'm the older guy. I've been around since Adam was a Boy Scout. And I've done it all. I've uh, worked for the big corporations like Xerox, Toshiba. I've been trained by the best. And uh, they trained us in a certain fashion that worked back in the day. The reason we wrote wrote the book is because we wanted to change that. So I started my own company. I've done it all for 20 years. Got tired, burnt out, decided just going to help other people become successful, which I really enjoy. And that's why I got into it. Wow. Awesome. Okay. I like it. Robert. Yeah. um, Yeah. Just my background. Same thing with Frank. Not quite as old as Frank. So, (laughs) you know, know, I was, I was around, I was, I was, I've been around after Ugg started selling wheels. So yeah. Yeah. um, Because he sell wheels. (laughs) So, but I, uh, you know, st- started as a career in uh, corporate sales, like with IBM, uh, you know, sales all, all, all my life, uh, I- IBM, Microsoft, uh, ran teams at Microsoft, ran uh, teams that uh, sold and ran teams at IBM, and, uh, and really just uh, launched out after, you know, I'll give you the honest answer, after corporate downsizing, mm-hmm. and decided that... Uh, you know, there was a big problem out there in the marketplace. And that was one thing that we had, that I had the experience of was um, the, the experience of training in sales and process, right? And we saw, I saw that, uh, how valuable that was uh, when you started growing your revenue to, you know, ex, you know, millions, tens of millions, but, but that was missing in the partners and the business partner community that I was engaged with as we were working with Microsoft. You could see how there could be, uh, uh, we could help them. And that's when we launched, when I launched out on my own to start uh, my company. And then we merged companies, Frank and I, to form Get More Sales Corporation. Awesome. Excellent. Excellent. Which actually, a lot of feedback Um, actually leads to the next question. So we have Sales Made Easy, a book you both uh, authored. Um, you, you might already touched on a little bit, but what, what really made you want to write this book? Well, I'll, I'll, I'll give you, a, like, from my perspective, it was really, we'd experienced through all that corporate sales. There's all, I'll, I'll name some of the few, some of the things like spin selling and solution selling and, 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 and um, what's, what's the other one? Oh my gosh, there's so many of them. Mm-hmm. And, and really they're all, we f- I found that they were very scientific, very technical, and it seemed to me very complicated. And and really, as being out as entrepreneurs, we felt that it didn't have to be so complicated. Like we ran it, and it, it scared a lot of people. They thought they had to have these degrees to sell stuff. And so that's really where we kind of came up with the idea of what we were doing. And we thought, well, really, sales is really just a conversation. Uh, now there's some structure to it, but that's what we thought. So we just felt that there is, we would like to simplify it for people, make it a little easier for people because without revenue, a business won't survive. Right. Absolutely. So. Yeah. And, uh, and just to add to that, when working with other people, working with other sales companies, we discovered that everybody was working hard and pushing hard and putting in a lot of hours. And I realized a long time ago, if I slow down, I'll sell more. But there's a process to it. 
we put the post, we used our process, put it down on paper and said, try this and it works and it works. Slow down, work, don't work hard, work smart, tell smart. So the process works. So we just put down on paper and said, here, and it works. Awesome. <clears throat> Yeah, yeah, and you know, I I was telling you earlier before we hit the record, you know, I uh, you know talk about an easy read, and again, I mean that in the most complimentary way. You know, you could read this in one sitting thing. You know, so um, mm. gr- honestly, informative book, um, especially for you know folks not like me that aren't really in sales, but again, uh, super informative, taught me a whole lot. Um, I, honestly, I really enjoyed the read. So, you know, early on in the book, you do have a quote though that says, you know, sales is a process, it's not a person. So. You know, can you explain where that came from and really what that means? Sure. Go ahead, Rob. Yeah, sure. <laughs> I'll start directing. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I'll start, yeah, that's yeah. fine. No, yeah. So what happened basically was our experience was we, we, we ran into this a lot. A lot of companies uh, that we dealt with as we helped them establish their revenue and their sales strategy that they would simply think that, uh, okay, I need to get a million dollars in sales this year. So they go out and hire, hire somebody. And they hire, usually what they do is if they're early stage, they'll hire a junior person. And that junior person, they could basically give them a phone. Well, now it's, uh, they give them a computer but and a phone and they use their phone and they sit at a desk and they say, go. Mm-hmm. All right? They have no training. And so what happens is, is they don't know what they're doing. They don't know what to tell them to do. And before long, six months later, no revenue comes in, they have to fire them right? So the concept of this, I just have to hire a person to drive the revenue is a big catch, right? And before long, you end up spending more because you're hiring not just one, you're usually hiring two or three. And, and so the concept of sales is a process, not a person. It's actually means there's more to it than just hiring a person. You need to have a process in how you approach sales to stop that kind of burn in turnover. Yeah, absolutely. Just to build on that, another thing they do is they get these young people, God bless them, they give them a brochure and say, study the features in the product and go pitch product. Mm-hmm. And they, so they go out and they work real hard, like work 60, 70 hours a week pitching product and not getting one. That's not selling, it's pitching product. Yeah. You've got to understand your customer. You've got to understand what they're motivated and what's the value. So slow mm-hmm. down, ask some questions, get to understand your customer, et cetera, et cetera. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, and, and again, you know, uh, what I said earlier, this is to me, this was more of a guidebook than, than, you know, just you know, kind of talking about sales, which, which mm-hmm. I, I found very, very awesome. Um, so, so first impressions, when you think of a salesperson, you know, a lot of us conjure up ideas of a used car salesman. Mm-hmm. Why, why do we associate that? Why do we think that, you know, just a, like a regular person, you hear sales and you're like, oh man, they, they're really pushy and they, they won't take no for an answer. Why? <laughs> well, I'll start this one. Yeah, go ahead. <laughs> Primarily because they're pushing product on you. They're pitching they, a thousand features at you, assuming you're going to get excited about one. You yeah. Know? And yeah. you're sitting there going, go away, go away, leave me alone. I don't want that. I don't want that. You're saying in your mind, I don't want that. You don't trust them. And it does this and it does this and it does this. And you're going, I'm tired of this. Get away from me. That seems to be 90% of the salespeople on the street today. A real mm-hmm. salesperson won't say that. A real salesperson will ask you questions. Good, good afternoon. How are you? What is this guy do for you? And shut up. Yeah, that's right. That's okay. right. And I think. Does that make uh, sense? Yeah. Sure does. I think uh, in addition to that, the, you know, you run into 
situations where that's just our perception because most of us have the experience. I know, you know, the book is mostly about B2B sales, business to business sales, right? But most of us have that retail experience and we've, we've felt it, right? When you go in and you, and you experience this selling environment, it feels like that because that person hasn't been trained properly. They're pitching product. And so you just get this instant wall where you're resisting the interaction. You, you're not open to the interaction because they haven't, they haven't determined if you are. And so we get that experience, right? Where we're just not interested in, get away from me, get away from me. Right. I don't want to talk to you, right? Right. Question here. Um, so so is, is, it, is it more common or less common for an organization to re, uh, to realize this, you know, maybe there's a high turnover every six months, they have a new sales guy and they're just like, man, I don't get it. You know, Joe and Sam, they couldn't do it. Do they, do, when do organizations really the light bulb go off and say, maybe it is our process. Maybe, maybe it's the way that we're, we're kind of training our folks to do that or not training them is, is, does that light bulb ever go off or is this basically, is this why you wrote the book? <laughs> We don't see it go off a lot, <laughs> but, but um, it does. I think it, it, you know, I remember we, we had one client that we dealt with and uh, that's one of the reasons they engaged us because they had turned over three people in the last, I think it was 18 months, right. And had no revenue to show for it. Wow. And that's, and that's when they ultimately said, okay, it must be something we need to fix something. There's something wrong here. Right. Yeah, most organizations, Adam, don't have a sales process. So when we said it's sales is a process, not a person or a product, they're all pushing person and product. If you're hiring people, you're turning people. People aren't the problem. You're the problem. Right. You Got to get your process and clean it up. Absolutely, absolutely. So I think this leads beautifully into the next one, which is okay. you know you mentioned in into the in, in the book uh, the buyer's journey. Mm -hmm. Can we talk a little bit about that? Can you explain sure. what the buyer's journey sure. is? Sure. 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 I'll leave that one to you, Frank. Yeah, Frank, Frank. I, you know, Frank, I'm coming to you all the time from now on. <laughs> You're first on deck. <laughs> okay. I'll try not to snooze. <laughs> yeah, the bar journey. Well, about 25 years ago, I found myself working really hard. I was trained by the best, Toshiba, trained by Xerox for about 10 years. And they trained me to study the product and study the features and go pound the features. Mm -hmm. And I found that I was putting in 60-hour weeks. And I said, there's something wrong here. I was good at it, by the way. I did okay. I worked like an SOB on it to get it, get it done. I said, there's got to be a better way. So I phoned up a couple of my customers and said, I'm buying the beer and the pizza. I sat down and I said to them, I said, guys, what's your decision-making criteria? How do you make a decision? What's your process? And over a period of about a six-month period, I realized the process was I was pitching the wrong product. What I had to do is understand how they make a decision and sell within that process. So then I developed the... And I talked to Rob and we looked at each other and said, he did the same thing. And we said, well, let's put down a paper. And then we put down a paper and went and tried it and it worked. Mm -hmm. Yeah. There's seven, there's seven steps, Adam. Yeah. And those seven steps, I'm just going to yeah. read them to you. Yeah, right? please. I was going to so say, you, know. you have those. Yeah. Yeah, I have them here. So yeah. basically, it starts with value messaging, which creates your creates concept called curiosity. So your value message creates curiosity, right? Then step two, the curiosity leads to buying signals, okay? And we'll, you know, in the book, we talk about what a buying signal is, how to recognize it. 
And it's the buying signal creates and begins the sales conversation. So in that, in that, in that statement where you have that uh, used car guy and all he's doing is pitching product at you and you're not open to the conversation, it's because he hasn't created he hasn't created enough value in his approach that causes you to engage with him or her to have a conversation. So it's that buying signal that gives him insight that says, oh, this person wants to have a conversation with me, right? And then the key, this is actually an interesting thing. The next step is in that conversation, and this is one of the reasons why you find a lot of people, you'll see salespeople that have sales cycles that go months. And it's because of a simple concept called urgency. Mm -hmm. So it's up to us in the sales conversation to establish if there's urgency to solve whatever it is we've heard is the issue, right? And then the urgency triggers emotion as the next step. So it's the emotion that gets triggered. And then we have a saying that people purchase things on emotion and justify it with logic. And that applies, right? And that applies when you're buying a, a car or you're buying food at Costco, right? I mean, I don't know how many times I've gone to Costco and, uh, and you know, you, you know, well, they used to have these food stations, you get the pierogies, right? And you try the pierogi, you had no interest in buying a pierogi, but you go, wow, that tastes amazing. And guess what? I ended up with three bags of pierogies. Yeah, it's like you got a lifetime supply now. <laughs> lifetime supply of pierogies, right? So it's that, so I logically define that. So I go back and I say the, the emotion is justified by logic. I said, well, they're a good deal. Look, I didn't necessarily need pierogies, but right. hey, they're three for one or three for two, right? So I'm logically trying to make it a good decision. And then the final one, it's that logic that um, basically confirms the order. So that's how you, that, that logic leads to the order because now they've emotionally connected and now they're justifying it so that they'll give you money for it. There you right? go. So those are kind of the seven steps. I love that. I love that. Thank you for that breakdown. Yeah. Um, so so not, not, to, not to jump around, but one thing, uh, Frank, you mentioned it, you know, I kind of do want to go back for a second when you said, you know, hey, shut up and and listen. Um, is this where the trust mindset comes in? Uh, again, mentioned in the book is, is, again, building that trust. You don't want to pitch products. You don't want to just, you know, here's a laundry list of things that this can do. You do want to build a rapport. You do want that relationship with that customer. You want to build that trust. It's an old adage. And again, mentioned in the book here, which is, you know, you kind of do business with people you trust and people you like. Is that where that trust mindset comes from? Partially. What you have to do is you have to listen to the person you're talking to and see whether whether or not you're going to sell to them. I'll go back to the used car sales and God bless me. Used car sales guys are going to beat me up. Yeah, they're, we're yeah. picking yeah. on them. That's right. Don't, don't, don't give up my home address. <laughs> so, so here's the reality. Look, when they're pitching, across the when screen. That's right. When you're pitched, you're being pitched, 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 feature, 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 feature. Do you trust that person? Yeah, no. But if somebody walked up to you and said, hi, Adam, how can I help you today? And Shannon said, let you talk. What kind of, what are you looking for today? And just shut up and listen to you. Do you like when people listen to you or talk to you? I like when people listen, of course. Right. Because <laughs> you're a normal human being. Right. Yeah, that's right. So and you got to slow down, slow down, ask questions, have a sales conversation. Let the customer do the talking. They'll tell you everything. Mm -hmm. I love that. 
that. Well, and the trust, the trust mindset where that comes from is think about it about, you know, when Frank was selling in his youth, when he was wearing his loincloth, right? Back <laughs> and then. I look damn good in it. <laughs> so, right. Um, but, but basically, you, you know, if you think about it, um, you used to be able to do business on a handshake, right? Mm-hmm. You used to be able to shake hands and do business. And, and there was an inherent people just trusted each other. And I think what's happened, especially recently with the onslaught of social media and the news and, you, you know, all this bombardment of information, mm-hmm. what has happened is we've started to get information overload. So that trust factor has turned more into anxiety. And so what the trust cycle is about is um, basically it says that that customer now doesn't trust you inherently anymore. So you, you have to earn that trust. And so your their anxieties, I call it anxiety in the book, but it, whatever you want to call it, it's kind of they have anxiety over doing business with you. And it's a lot higher than, than how much they trust you. And throughout the process, one of the tools is listening and, and asking questions. How do you lower their anxiety and increase their trust? And that's really what that trust cycle is about. When the trust that they give you overcomes that anxiety, you have a sale, right? Because now they trust you more than they doubt you. We'll call it that. Gotcha. Okay. So following that, then I'm, I'm going to jump around a little bit here. So, uh, you know, let, let's talk about motivation. Cause I think that actually will tie in uh, to better, uh, better to this one. Um, really what, what motivates people to act and want to engage with someone selling them something um, in the book, again, for the folks that are going to read this, um, you mentioned German shepherds, gold medals and following the herd. Yeah. Can, you, can you explain those? Sure. Sure. Uh, that hopefully, hopefully people can picture that graphic, right? I mean, the, the, the definition is designed that way. And if you think about a German Shepherd, uh, what's typically German Shepherds are guard dogs. People, know, you know, if you see that dog coming at you with the teeth growling, you're running away from it, right? Sure, That's sure. the fear factor, the, the urgency, something biting at your heels. Um, so we call those, it's one of the motivating factors. So when people make decisions to engage with you they're looking at uh certain things motivate them and certain groups or you know certain people are motivated by different things so for example a german shepherd might be um you know you, you might be ha- dealing with a with a healthcare company that has to deal with government regulation or they might be experiencing fines or they might be experiencing a situation where you know there's pain at the end of the day, right? If they get bit, it's not that much fun, right? So, so that's a motivator for someone to um, do business with you, right? The other motivator is we say gold medals, and that's really the the individuals that want to be the first. Picture an Olympic athlete, right? They they're trying to get that gold medal on the podium, so they want to be the first, the best, the the most awesome, right? right. Whatever it may be, that's the gold medal. And then the last one, which is actually most companies, especially in Canada, at least we've seen, is what we call the follow the herd. And it's really that, just picture it, the herd moves. Yeah. And, 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 and where do they go? Are you looking for where's the herd going? Uh, you know, are, we got to follow the herd. And if they're moving mm-hmm. over here and you let someone know, a prospect that 
the herd's going in that direction. And by the way, one of your competitors just joined the herd. And it's a good way to, to motivate someone to maybe listen to you, right? right. Maybe, um, you know, talk to you. Absolutely. And, and if I can remember correctly, um, this is about 75%, uh, just to put some, some metrics yeah. beside, behind it too. Yeah. 75% yeah. of Canadian uh, companies follow the herd. Yeah, I follow the herd, right? Yeah. I think it's natural, right? Think about it. That's, that's one of the things, if you think about your marketing organization in your, in your business, it's that, uh, you know, why do you create case studies? Why do you create videos? Why do videos work so well? Right. right. It's because of this whole follow the herd concept. People are, are validating that they, they have that same need. Oh, oh, Joe's doing that or Bob's doing that or, you know, Mary's right. doing that. So. Right. Right. Okay. Okay. Um, so this is a bit of a mouthful here um, and it might be a bit of a process, but you know, how, how does someone create a, and again, mentioned in the book, how does someone create a 10 second concise message that summarizes what what their business does how they create curiosity what causes a prospect to engage with you and, I, and we've really been touching on it here and there but like let's package it up for our listeners how can someone put that together cool i'll let you start frank <laughs> yeah we haven't heard from you in a minute <laughs> no, and i'm so shy well it starts out it starts out with a statement we make all the time you can't sell something someone to anyone until they give you permission you have to have permission to start the conversation okay let's say hello to you and i make a statement that you don't like we're not going to have a conversation so humans humans like to hear you talk about themselves so what i have to do with a message is risk of under eight seconds i have to say to you my name is frank beyond blah 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 and there has to be a couple of valuable statements in there that are going to make you jump and say i may be interested now i'm not going to buy from you yet it may be interesting. We call those sales triggers. Okay. So what's your value? Not your product, not your process, not what's important to you. Because everybody says, look at my product. Isn't it beautiful? Aren't I great? I'm the leading. Everybody's the leading in everything. Right. And what's true. So the statement has to say, my name is Frank Dion. I do this and this and this. And these are the value of things that are important to your business, to your person. What's important to the other person's business? What's important to the other person's person? Then you'll hear you, you snap up and say, I agree with you or I don't agree with you. Those are my triggers, which we'll talk about in a minute. And, and how you do that, that, that is a, a process that you go through to really a lot of times companies will try to create their own value proposition. The trouble with, the trouble with that is they, what we've found anyway in our experience is that I call it the staring at your navel syndrome, right? So you look at your belly button and you think, oh, I got a, such a good looking belly button when everybody else is looking at it saying, oh, it's pretty ugly, right? And it's because you're doing it as a self-analysis. It's really understanding the customer's view of the value you deliver to them. Really stepping out and understanding what that is. And it starts with that in a process and, and, and really doing that. And and in your, estimate, in your experience, uh, you found that we don't have to put a number to it, but you know, a lot, a majority, whatever companies, do they, do they miss the mark with that or a lot kind of spot on, or, you know, does there's some help need to be kind of provided? Yeah. So far, we, so far, go ahead, Ron. No, you go ahead. So far in our practice, we've discovered about 95% of the people don't have the messaging, right? That's gotcha. why they're not getting the sales. Yeah. 
Yeah. You turn that around, it's amazing what happens when you put the proper messaging. You start getting leads. So, I mean, qualified leads, not leads. Anybody can get a lead. You get a serious lead, the customer who's interested. Yeah. A valuable the, lead. The val and so that's that's kind of the ratio. What what we usually see is companies will um, they will they, they create a value proposition. You know, you look in the IT space, this is very common. You'll see a lot of companies talking about how they're a managed, like they might be a managed service provider talking about the managed service. But the reality is that's not the value. That's it's not the value. what did the customer get from dealing with you, right? right. It's they, it, the managed service is the product. That's not the value, right? right. And so you see that a lot. And so we go through an exercise at the beginning of the book that people can read and is, is basically asking yourself some key questions and really stepping out of what is that customer really value in what we're providing? What is it? Are we helping them save money? Are we, you know, are we helping their brand image? Uh, is there something unique in their business that, that we're helping add value to. And it's really starting from there and working backwards. Right. And then figuring out what, what it is. And we have a method and a process where we basically help people create their own value proposition in the book. And it's really just stepping back and starting to prioritize and filter out and whittle it down to the point where you have a single sentence that provides glimpses of value to that prospect that allows them to get engaged because people don't have the least bit interest in talking to you. And this is where that curiosity concept comes from, unless they, they are curious about what you have to say to them. Right. And the way you create the curiosity is to provide a glimpse of value. And it's that glimpse of value that causes that. And it, and it can be as simple as this. Imagine, so, so if I said to you, Adam, guess what? Oh, sorry. What? what? <laughs> right. I mean, we see that all the time. Guess what? And so people, what, what, what? Yeah. It's something as simple as that. It's really, it creates that curiosity, pauses you. And once you get that engagement, like Frank said, you have a permission. Now you have a permission to have that conversation. Right. Now it also does one other thing. And Frank always touts about this. It also eliminates the people you shouldn't be talking. Right. Because a lot of time as salespeople, they spend a lot of time talking to people that will never, ever buy from them just mm. because they want to talk to them. Right. And and it's that value statement that causes people if they don't engage, that's perfectly fine. Right. You couldn't you couldn't help them anyway. And, and I and I had a question, which is you mentioned in the book that it's OK to walk away from a prospect. Yeah. yeah. And, yeah. and now, and now again, you're, you know, you're doubling down on that saying, Hey, look, you know, they weren't going to engage be anyway, so it's okay. And, and, you know, again, forever who's listening, maybe they needed to hear this. It's okay to walk away from, from prospects sometimes. And yeah. it's okay not to demo everybody. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's a, a big, big one. Challenge. Big one in high tech. Here, let me give you a demo. You're talking to somebody who has no interest in ever buying from you. You just spent 45 minutes. We do a business show program for customers. Biggest waste of money is business shows. Everybody, everybody believes we've got to demo everybody. Stop. Stop spending the money. <laughs> yeah. Ask, ask well, a that's... few intelligent questions. Absolutely. Blah, 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 blah. If it's a yes, you get a demo. If it's not a yes, thank you. Here's a brochure and move on. 
and that that's and and that's actually very relevant i think we see especially in you know people that develop software etc if you're there is a point for the demo that we talked about we're kind of on a tangent a little bit but point point for the demo but usually we see it being led so what that does is if you think about our principle you know sell your value not your product what you're doing you're just leading with your product right. and letting them figure out the value right so so that's but but i think your question adam was again it had to do with um Oh my gosh. Walking away from prospects. Walking away from prospects. So th there's huge value in walking away because quite frankly, think about that trust curve. If I come to you and I have a, have a good conversation with you or you don't engage with me and I don't try to sell you something, how is that relationship? It's still intact, right? Mm -hmm. I haven't, I haven't broken the relationship. I've created still, there's a connection there. You may not have connected and if I don't, if I don't ask, if I ask you all these questions and really my mindset in the trust mindset is if I can't help you, I won't, right? Yeah. I'm yeah. really sincerely trying to solve your problem. And I think if I can't help you, I won't do it. I'll tell you. And, and that has huge power in the sales cycle to actually say, you know what? They, I don't think, I don't think we're a fit. I don't think we can help you. If you're okay in the future, if something changes, you okay if I reach back and, 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 and have a conversation because now I understand your situation. And, and, and that I think for any of us, if we experience that on our used car lot, you know, somebody that we keep going back to them, hopefully don't give them my address either. <laughs> right. But, but if you experience that, you're more likely to come back to that person when you are ready. Right. Yeah. It, it, that's, that's the value of it. Absolutely, absolutely, and 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 you know, you mentioned off on a tangent, but I, I'll I'll argue that and say it's actually a misstep that sales folks make sometimes. What are some other common missteps you know that uh, that sales folks make sometimes? Maybe demoing that they shouldn't be demoing, wait, talking to someone that they know they're not going to engage with. What are some other examples? Sure. Um... I think one is, is the whole concept of listening, interrupting, mm -hmm. right? Um, and we all do it. We all fight it, I think, because we all want to be heard. But when you're dealing with and engaging in a prospect, we'll see that that, that prospect will ask, a, you know, they might respond to you with something and they ask you a question and you're instantly pitching everything you've got, right? Well, let me tell you about how we do that. <laughs> you know what I mean? And so I think that's one is, is, is stop, listen, take your time, ask questions and make sure that um, you're, you're connecting. You got to connect right. as you do this, right? That's what the power of having, keeping it simple. Keep, like we say, sales made easy is really about simplifying sales to just having a good conversation that has purpose and structure. That's it, Right. And being and in any conversation, we're all we're not trying the the sales opportunity will reveal itself as they answer the questions. And, sure. and, that's and 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 one thing I really liked about the book is that you talk about open-ended questions and closed-ended questions. And in fact, you even have a dialogue between uh, Bob and Mary throughout the book that is demonstrating all of these 
these tactics and, and the strategies that we're discussing today, they demonstrate that throughout the book and how this conversation goes and how Mary is successful, uh, you know, selling, selling Bob some value, um, yeah. uh, you know, sort of at the end of the, at the end of the book here. Yeah. Yeah. What that comes down from is think about any conversation we have some, with someone. Um, we don't, we don't just ask, well, let me define it, step back a bit. Closed, like you mentioned, closed-ended questions, open-ended questions. Closed-ended questions, like we talk about, are really those questions that are fact-getting. They get one-word answers. You know, how many users do you have? 50. You know, uh, you know, how many, what, you know, you're just asking and you're basically getting fact questions. But if you do overuse it, you, it can feel like an interrogation. It feels like you're, you know, you're, you're getting interrogated by somebody and there's no connection. And so true conversations involve, you know, some fact checking questions uh, and some open ended questions like, how do you do that? You know, and statements, because in a regular conversation, we have opinions, we have, uh, we have things we know and understand, and it's okay to insert those. And it's really balancing the conversation with the goal of, with the mindset of, can I help you? I'm really just trying to figure out, can I help you? And if I can, I'll tell you. If I can't, I won't. And, and all of that equals a, and what we mentioned again in the book, is a good conversation. This is, this is all of the elements that make up a good conversation. This is where That's a right. salesperson can say, hey, I'm really feeling good about this. And there's some level of trust and engagement. Right, and exactly. Understood. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> See, I, I get it. Yeah, good. You read it. <laughs> I, did. I did. Um so so a couple of things here. Um you mentioned a a sales uh, sales is a profession of probabilities and there are three components that drive these probabilities. Yeah. What 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 are these probabilities? Uh let me see if I remember them. I got to check. I have them right, right here. I got them got here. <laughs> I remember them. I know what they are. It's just, what did I call them? <laughs> so um, it's basically, uh, so numbers, stages, and time. Yes. Okay. So probability, see, this is, this is an interesting concept because I think when, when you have an entrepreneur that creates a product or a service, entrepreneurs, and they're very organized, Right. They can, you know, especially if you're creating something, if you're creating a software uh, pro, uh, software solution or whatever it may be, it can be very organized. So you very engineering oriented, which means I have the inputs. If I change these inputs, I get X outputs. Right. I get. So this goes in. This comes out. If I tweak this, this comes out. Right. The challenge with sales is we say that it's it's not an input output profession. It's a profession of probabilities because you can change an input, but it's, it's actually, it's, it's only a probable change to the output. So it basically, it means that there's no guarantees. So the way that you have to manage that is through those three factors, time stages and the actual, oh my gosh, I'm drawing a blank revenue. That was it. Revenue. Yeah. Yeah. Numbers. 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 Revenue metrics. That's right. And, and so, so it's, it's that time, the, the biggest one that we find is time factor. So for example, let's say that your goal is to hit a million dollars in revenue by March. Okay. You want that booked 
and that's that's got to be booked in your in your bank account. It means that there's a certain time frame it takes to get to collect that revenue. Mm-hmm. Okay, it, it doesn't happen overnight, so you have to allow for enough time. And to do that, you have to know how long it takes you to get from a stage to the next stage. So the stages are really the the steps along the way that you must accomplish in order to move the revenue that you need from zero through stages to a million dollars. And and so those three aspects all come into play. And as a result, if you want a million dollars in revenue at the end of March, for example, you may need what we call $4 million in your pipeline at the beginning of January. And it's a probability that you're playing. And, and the way you impact the probability is you get better at the stages, right? Get better at being more effective. You get better at your conversations. Yeah. Right? And it's, it's, it's getting, that's one way. And then you also get more efficient in your sales process. For example, taking a demo and not doing it up front, but doing it at the right place can shorten your sales cycle, which impacts time. And so as a result of those things, your goal is to, well, maybe I don't need 4 million in January anymore. Maybe I only need three to get to one. And so there's a probability factor here that comes in. It's not, it's not guaranteed. It's, it's a B and I say it's because we deal with humans, right? In sales, it's all about humans. It's all about, and humans are unpredictable and you can't predict any of it. You just have to play the odds, right? You have to play the odds. Absolutely. Does that help? Do you want anything to add, Frank? Anything to add there? No, 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 that's good. Well, um, I, I know we're, we're almost about that time. Um, so is there any, any advice, any guidance, uh, Frank, Robert, you'd like to uh, provide to our listeners that, that isn't necessarily in the book that you've just learned from your years of experience and, and seminars? Go ahead, Frank. Yeah, Frank, again, we haven't heard from you in a bit. <laughs> I don't know. It's been nice. <laughs> it has been. It's, uh, the one thing I always tell people is slow down. Yeah. <clears throat> slow down, shut up and listen. And just watch what happens in your life when you listen. And when you're meeting somebody for the first time, ask them open probe questions. Tell me about your business. But shut up and listen, really listen. Customers will tell you everything if you ask the right questions. And if you ask the right questions, you get the right value message, they're gonna give you sales triggers. If they give you sales triggers, you're gonna get an order. Unless you blow it, right? but I doubt you would. Just follow the process. Yeah. Fair enough. Yeah. And, and I think what I'd add is we talked about sales made easy here. Mm-hmm. This, one of the ways as a business owner, as an entrepreneur, making sales easy is really we see a lot of times companies will jump right in. Like I mentioned earlier, jump in and hire a salesperson. Like our advice would be step back and actually build a strategy first. Um, no what your value proposition is. Know how that value proposition appeals to the market. We have a saying that, um, you know, don't define your market and change your message or your value message to match the market. Identify your value message and then identify the market that will respond to it. And then that forms the basis of your strategy. 
And, and so that's kind of what we say is, is, yeah, there's the sales conversation, but from a business perspective, Time to sit and build a build the strategy. It's worth it because it'll save you money in the long run. It saves you time in the long run, and it'll like it'll save the turnover in reps because they'll know what to say, they'll know what to do, right? And um, it just makes you overall more efficient. So that's what I. All right, gentlemen, thank you so much. For, for, for sitting on the BizTech podcast and having a chat with me today. The book is Sales Made Easy for Entrepreneurs, Pitch Product and Survive, Sell Value and Thrive. And, and folks can find this Amazon. Yeah, find it on Amazon. Yeah. And, uh, and there's, a, there's the Amazon Kindle or Amazon paperback. There you Either go. One. For, for all the go. digital folks out there. Uh, gentlemen, I can't thank you enough for taking the time to chat with me today about, uh, again, Sales Made Easy. I appreciate your time. Awesome. Thanks, Adam. Thank you. Talk to you soon. All right. Bye. Bye, guys. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of the CompTIA BizTech podcast. For more information on CompTIA membership, communities, and councils, visit comptia.org slash membership. If you enjoyed this podcast, the greatest compliment you can give us is subscribing, sharing, and liking the broadcast. 